Hello, and welcome to G Talking All That Jazz. This podcast is really the testimony of a friendship that spans over four decades. A friendship between two Black professionals that began in Harlem, New York in the mid-1970s. As young men, both learning from each other on how to navigate the sometimes formidable and unapologetic streets of Harlem, New York, both here and now, still standing with a wealth of transferable knowledge. As you join G and Jazz on their journey of reflection, listen. Listen closely for the true messages about friendship, morality, and brotherly love, because their trials and tribulations come at a cost. G and Jazz will share their thoughts and opinions on a variety of topics from love and relationships to family and politics, and of course, friendship. Again, welcome to G talking all that jazz. Enjoy the journey. Oh, and buckle up. Jazzy Mac, what's going on, Papa Doc? Listen, my friend, everything is good. No complaints. Another good day. I'm above ground, heart pumping, feeling good, man. I'm looking forward to tomorrow, my friend. Man, I heard there were tornadoes dropping down in Atlanta, man. What's going on down in Yeah, um, man. So hey. we, we, we had to actually uh, um, have a, like an evacuation to the basement of our, our um, building here. So here's the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the funny thing. So they, we got the announcement that we had to evacuate or go to the basement of the building because the tornadoes were going to, they were close. And two did touch down close to um, where I'm at. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a leader, right? So um, I'm, I'm going on each floor, it's five floors. I go to each floor, make sure my team on the fifth floor come down, go to the fourth floor, the fourth, the fourth floor team is already down. So then we have three other floors and those are not even associated with, with, the, with the organization. But okay. you know what? I'm still a humanitarian. So I call down the hallway downstairs and I'm actually waiting for everyone to come out the office to go downstairs. So I'm, I'm being the leader. I go back up the stairs and right. then I make sure again, everybody's in the basement because I do know that there's an angel behind me recording all of my actions and I'm trying to get to heaven, my friend. <laughs> Every right. day, yes. Get down, there's still people standing in the hallway of the, the stairwell, but not in the basement. So I said, look, we, we supposed to go to the basement. So they look at me and they said, oh, it's kind of creepy down there. <laughs> So you know what I said to them, G? What I said, say? I said, we can come back from creepy, but you can't come back from being dead. That's right. <laughs> there's no, there's right. no, there's right. no comeback. And then Let's I said back. to them, I said, well, let me leave you with this. There was this guy named Jesus, and he warned people. <laughs> and you know what they did to him? And G, I took my butt down the basement. I did That's my it. part. I did That's my all part. you can do. Hey, listen, man. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make, can't make him, drink, him drink, man. I did my part, man. But so, I'm yeah, glad, it was, it man, that you made it, it safe, though. You know, yeah, I know I yeah. heard about so, it. We heard about survived. it here in New York. Yes, we survived. Man. That's what matters, man. So listen, man, we have a great show today, man. Absolutely. Um, we're going to do this one on domestic violence. Um, I have a great friend of mine, uh, known us since 2009, named Nicola Eason. So before I do her bio, man, and welcome her to the show, Let's get your disclaimer in, man. We want to warn bong, people bong, about our show. With the bong, with the bong, bong, bong. This is a public service announcement. All the stories you're about to hear are all true. Name, dates, and events will not be changed. 
And if we so happen to drop your name in one of these stories and it caused a divorce like Bill and Millennia Gates, <laughs> and you happen to lose your wife, your boo, your love muffin, your sugar bay, okay, okay. your baby girl, okay, your okay. brother love, okay, your okay. sneaky link, your side piece. Guys, <laughs> okay, we get it. We are sorry, but okay. we are Beyonce sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Not sorry. not sorry. Oh my God. Listen, I want everybody to know I do not sponsor the disclaimer oh part. G. That is him. That's all him. G. He's the doctor of the show. I'm just saying, I never sponsored the show. But anyway, G, we, we have to make sure that we identify what everyone else is identifying with because we don't want no lawsuits. You said, you said we get a sneaky link. Sneaky, sneaky link. Sneaky, sneaky side, link. Side piece. Side piece. <laughs> I thought anyway. I was about to say. Let me introduce you to my friend. Yes. My name is Nicola Eason. Um, it is indeed an honor and pleasure to introduce her tonight as our keynote speaker. She's my friend. She's been an executive director at Help USA for the past 16 years. Help USA is an agency which works to ensure that everyone has a place to call home. They provide shelter to meet people's immediate needs, as well as their support their needs to succeed for themselves, their families, and their communities. Ms. Eason has successfully earned a Bachelor of Art degree from Buffalo State College and her Master's in Social Work from Stony Brook University in 2000. She has effectively managed shelters during her tenure at Help USA for domestic violence, fire and eviction, and homeless population. Ms. Eason is also an adjunct lecturer at NYU, providing sci-fi instruction of Masters of Social Work Professionals. Ms. Eason also earned a certification in clinical supervision from NYU. And she's also certified as a John Maxwell mentor and a member of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Ms. Nicola Eason, welcome to the show, Nicola. And the crowd <laughs> goes wild. And Z5. <laughs> A5. Iaki. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to have a crazy show today. So, you know, Nicola, we brought you on because uh, we recognize that domestic violence has been at an all-time high. But usually jazz, you know, do you have anything you want to start us off with jazz? Yeah. So, you know, uh, this, this pandemic has um, really revealed a lot of um, social ills that have been put on a back burner in a sense that don't get enough attention. And one of the things that has happened is that we now experience this, this spike in, in domestic violence cases on average nationally about 30% is a spike in, yes. in domestic violence across this country. And so many people don't know, you know, that, that, that domestic violence is, is a serious issue that many times is a taboo mm -hmm. issue, is a taboo conversation, but statistically. So one out of four women and one out of seven men have been victims of severe physical violence, beating, burning, or strangulation by their intimate partner. On average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by their intimate partner in the United States. 
and that makes more than 10 million women and men annually. One out of 15 children are exposed to intimate partner violence each year, and 90% of these children are eyewitnesses to this violence. And lastly, as I stated, there is a serious spike nationally, 30%, up to 30% spike in domestic violence. So domestic violence, like all the other ills in our society, have become um, very, um, uh, um, we, we, we have been made aware of these issues. And so we wanted to, to come on because I think in my lifetime, I have experienced domestic violence. Mm. I have seen it in my family. Mm. I have been a part of it in a relationship. So mm. I think that, you know, to be very honest and in full disclosure, mm. I think that this is a part of our community that is kind of brushed under the rug. Mm -hmm. So I think that we want to talk about it so that number one, we, we can hear or get or, or make it more normal for those who have survived domestic violence to come forward. So basically let's let's talk about it. So what by definition, what is domestic violence? Okay. Um, and I'm glad that you asked that question because I've been working in domestic violence since 2004 and I did other things within the agency and I came back to uh, domestic violence. Um, a lot of times when I talk to people, whether it's family, friends, um, clients, whomever, we talk about domestic violence and a lot of people think that domestic violence is only physical. It is not physical, it's not just physical. Domestic violence is also actually known as intimate partner violence. And it's a pattern of behaviors used by a partner, whether it's a female partner or a male partner or a same sex partner to gain and maintain power and control over another partner in an intimate relationship. And that, and that definition of domestic violence really covers um, a lot of areas. I remember growing up, um, like you said, family members, uh, one of my close aunts being a victim, and I'm looking at my mother and grandmother like, I'm going in there to tell him to, you know, keep his hands off my aunt. And she was like, no, you stay there, mind your business. And I'm, and to myself, I'm like, we supposed to call the police. And that was years ago. But like you said, it's a taboo, especially in the Black community, um, a lot of times we're told, you know, to mind our business, you know, or either don't tell anybody, you know, the street should know our business. But a lot of it is a, a lack of knowledge and also being vulnerable and being vulnerable is not being not. It doesn't mean being weak, but it's being present in that moment. So with domestic violence, there's several categories Um or types of abuse is physical, like you mentioned, um, verbal. It's also emotional, psychological. It is also sexual. I'm quite sure everybody remembers the burning bed with uh, uh, Farrah Fawcett. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I remember, I remember watching that. And actually, people don't know that the wife beaters, they call them wife beaters or t-shirts, they, some people think that's an actual name of the shirt. It's not. It stems from when those who were arrested, particularly men, they all had on that white shirt. 
So they yes. call them wife beaters. So people say, oh, you go, I'm going to get a wife beater. Wife beater? You know, so <laughs> <laughs> it becomes part of our, 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 uh, our, our culture. culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another sidebar about words that becomes part of our culture and people use it and they don't know the origin of it. Um, but those are wife beaters. But also um, it could be financial. It could be also legal. And people are surprised when I talk about it being legal. Uh, we've had instances where somebody it has come to the country and decide to be sponsored. You know, they get married. I'm going to be sponsored. I'm going to file for your papers. All of a sudden, the partner says, no, I'm not doing it no more. And they, and they either stop in the midway of the paperwork or don't do it at all. Because once again, it is a sign of power and control. Control. Financially, um, you know, we have had couples, I've seen couples or seen individuals where they said, well, he didn't give me my allowance. He gave me money every two weeks. And then he stopped because I didn't do A, B, C, and D. And especially if the person A is undocumented or have a job that cannot sustain rent, money, food. Um, So it could be financially with that partner decides, I'm not giving you any more money if you don't do A, B, C, and D. Or here's a little bit of money in order to do A, B, and C. And it also would be sexual, where a partner forces him or herself on their partner. And years ago, um, it, and it took a lot of litigation, where if I'm married and this partner has sexually abused me or you know, domestic violence containing uh, being forced upon, they didn't consider that. Why? Because that's your husband, that's your wife. How can, how can you prove that? So those are the main types of, of um, forms of abuse. Emotional, um, we see it every day. Unfortunately, someone is, uh, you're ugly, you're fat, you're this, you'll never be anything, you know, that they know that it plays on their emotion. And it's, and it's really meant to really break down that person's confidence. Once again, power and control. So these are the things, the types of abuse that, people really need to understand it is not just physical it's a pattern and there's also a honeymoon stage when you meet the person um everything is beautiful within the first couple of months and next thing you know you see these patterns of abuse happening you see that this person is 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 calling you this or telling you hey i don't want you to see your friends anymore i don't want you with your family family members where are you going what time are you getting back calling you every second on a second where are you you know and it's male and female people yeah. have uh this distinction that it can be only men no it is both men and women there have been women who have been the abusers and Nicola, usually it's a, me, yes mm-hmm. let me ask this i'm going to ask you this um how do you identify that i have two daughters i have a, two daughters a mom whatever are there certain signs I should look out for to see if my daughters may be um, being abused like that? Are there anything, any triggers that I should know of or we shouldn't be aware of? Or, or, yes. Or, and, let me, and let me add before you before you answer that, just kind mm-hmm. of kind of coincides with Gary's question. I found out recently that a friend was in a domestic violence situation mm-hmm. and I never knew. Mm-hmm. I had no clue. How can we, are there signs? There are signs, um, but it's, it's also about being aware of the signs. 
a lot of times women and men, they don't want to disclose that they are a victim of domestic violence because A, to them, it's embarrassing. Yeah. And they shouldn't know it and they should they should not feel that it's embarrassing, but it's embarrassing. And then also there is a, a fear behind it. We don't know what that abuser is telling them. You better not say anything to anybody because if you say something, I'm going to do A, B, C, and D. Once again, it's power and control. And sometimes, unfortunately, victims, they get to a point where they can mask it. It's almost like an act because they have to do that in order to protect them and to protect their children. And a lot of times, um, you know, I've been in instances where I didn't know myself and I'm dealing with domestic violence every single day. But because that person has to hide out of fear of someone knowing, that's how you can't tell sometimes. But there's warning signs. Usually there's just a lot of warning signs that sometimes we may not pick up both when we in relationships, we're like, hmm, that's a red flag. Oh, he'll change. You know, he'll change. He'll, he'll stop doing A, B, C, and D. But then it becomes a pattern, you know, and we all have those warning signs that we tend to ignore, mm-hmm. you know, especially if we're in that, that first I'm in love stage, that right. euphoria stage. This person calls me every day uh, to see how I'm doing. And, oh, he's calling me every, you know, half hour. Oh, he's showing that he's interested in me. But at the same time, every half hour, and then if I don't answer, he gets angry. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we're like, oh, well, he cares about us. You know, he's showing that he loves us, you know, or she loves me. You know, so this there's signs such as telling the victim they cannot do anything right. Um, they, they, the, the person, the partner is constantly being put down. Negative anger comments. Part, you said, like you yeah. said, the anger. The like, anger. They're calling you. They angry now. If you don't answer the call. Yes. You know where? Where were you? What were you doing? Mm-hmm. Telling the victim um, money or refusing to provide money. Dictating how or what clothing the victim should be wearing. Stalking. Um, strongly monitoring the victims. Um, telephones and cell phones. Cell phones are very. very cell phones have become part of our body parts. Yeah. You know, to a point where we will more we'll be more concerned about leaving our phone home than our wallet. <laughs> and, my, and, yo, that, you know that's no lie, Nicola. That's true. You know yep. how many times I've done my phone. Yeah, yeah, everything is in your credit card number. Yeah. Everything is in your phone. Yeah. So we'll run back to our apartment, getting our, our house, or getting our phone. You know, rather than our wallet. But also, a lot of times, uh, the location. That location is always on. Wow. If you ever noticed, the GPS does, um, they'll tell you where you were. Oh, you were here last time, weren't you? Yeah. And we don't pay attention to that because it's not something that we really think about. But to the person who is the abuser, they can use that to track that person. Oh, where were you on, on uh, February 26th? I see that you was on 33 Broadway. What were you doing over there? Oh, mm-hmm. you was here again. Mm-hmm. That especially if they have access to the cell phones, um, the bill. Um, I've I've heard when a person had the abuser has hacked into their account to get all the information for their telephone. The first thing that we do uh, when our families come to us, we tell them turn off your location mm-hmm. because our location is turned on because we're always using maps mm-hmm. to get to yeah. where we gotta go. 
Yeah. And to avoid the police that when you're speeding, we're trying to, you know, outrace them, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> it's just like that location is, it's very helpful, but also in a situa- situation like this, it could be very dangerous. And then if you're trying to flee and your location is on, that abuser definitely can find out where you're at because location is on. So is 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 there a, is there a blurred line between what a toxic relationship looks like and what domestic violence looks like? Is there is it clear? Because in particular to the cell phone location, I know I know folks who say, "Oh, I know their location. I know their location." And to me, I say, "Wow, that's that's a toxic relationship." Because I don't want anyone to be able to put their finger on me every single moment yeah. unless I give them permission to do that. Yes. So, and it's the behavior behind it also. Okay. And what it's used for. Okay. 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 So the there behavior. is a, it's a behavior behind it and what it's used for. Mm-hmm. So it's really, you have to also pay attention to someone's behavior um, coming into a, a relationship. Um, stalking where they're telling you, oh, I saw you, you know, I saw you at such and such lunchtime doing such and such with this person. How was it? And you're like, oh, I didn't know. Oh, I was just around the area. Mm. How are you just around the area? You know, mm. so, and we, and of course we're in that honeymoon. Oh, he's just in the area. I'm glad he saw me for my lunch. But then it also becomes a pattern. So domestic violence is really, it, it's more than, like I said, it's, it's physical. And also um, the, the perpetrator also has a way of blaming the victim. Whereas, oh, you make me do this. Oh, you cheating? You must be cheating because you're doing A, B, C, and D. And that's that person's um, uh, it's sign of insecurity, or deep-rooted insecurity because domestic violence, those who, um, you know, abuse, it, it's, it's, it's psychological, but it's also deep-rooted insecurity. And also, it could be behavior, learned behavior. My mama did it. My daddy did it. I saw my uncles did it. Oh, that's how you control such and such and such. So they think it's, it's normal and part of the behavior. That makes so, me think. That makes me think about the color purple. Yes. You think about the color purple and how that generational um, behavior was passed down. Yes. Know, yeah, and mm-hmm. definitely with child abuse as well, because mm-hmm. sometimes child abuse can lead to domestic violence as well. So that, that's a that's a good segue. So how does domestic violence impact children? It, it impacts children greatly. A lot of times uh, families will say, well, my child was not involved. He didn't see it. However, children who are ex- exposed to domestic violence are more likely to suffer from anxiety, mm-hmm. low self-esteem, yeah. bullying, teen mm-hmm. violence, educational delays, depression, eating, do- uh, eating disorders, Obesity, one in 15 children are exposed to intimate partner violence or domestic violence each year. Mm-hmm. And 90% of these children are eyewitnesses to, their, to the violence itself. Mm-hmm. So children, um, and they are traumatized by that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why there's a lot of trauma-informed care available because children who are witnessing that abuse it really it, and remember their their minds are sponges at that age 
So they're looking at that. And I've seen it where a parent, a child will stick to that parent like glue because they've seen the abuse that has happened. Right. And they want to protect their mother or their father. And they, in turn, you know, take on that anxiety. And, it, and, and as a child, when they have anxiety, they, it, it interprets to so many things. It leads to eating disorder. It leads to obesity. It leads to I can't function in school because I'm worried about what's going to happen to me or what happened to my mother when I get home. Mm-hmm. Do the children sometimes turn out to be um, violent? you know, because they witness it. Do you have any? I don't have any statistics about that, but if, if it's consistent enough and the learned behavior, then it can happen. And it's one of those things where as parents, once a survivor becomes a survivor, it is important that they do get uh, resources for their children. They, They do, they do get counseling for their children because now you, they have to unlearn that behavior, right? you know, and make sure that a, that they don't continue that behavior or get in a relationship with that behavior exist from the woman because we're, we're taught men are taught, you know, don't ever, well, in my family, you know, men were taught, don't you put your hands on a woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not every family teaches that we were taught yeah. that as well. You know, my father say, you know, you got to beat them. You don't need them. Never what put ha- your hands on a woman. But, but gee, what happens if, if, if in your relationship, you, you and your your significant other get into, you know, argument and sometimes it get it can get physical. Sometimes it can be a grabbing. It, it, mm-hmm. could be, it can happen. Does that it mean can. that that is a form of domestic violence or just mean that we just had a bad spat? It could, it could be an isolated, yeah. Yeah, consistency right. in an isolated event. Because things happen. We're, we're humans. We get emotional. We get, you know, we're in our feelings. We go back and forth. But it's also the consistency of it. It's a difference. Right. difference if it's not happening on a regular basis, right? Yes. Yes. It could be an isolated event. And then it's also what you do afterwards. Right. Talking to your partner. Hey, what took place between you and I, The fit, we cannot do that anymore. Right. You know, and then it leads to other things. We need to, you know, get counseling and talk about that. Mm-hmm. You know, where our relationship becomes a priority and an issue and the incident is secondary, but they both go hand in hand, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it's a consistency. It's a pattern of behaviors. So I'm, so, I'm so a, go, go, sorry, go Jazz. Yeah. I was going to say, so with all we talked about, you know, we talked about this, you know, what is domestic violence? We talked about what are the signs of domestic violence? We, we talked about who gets impacted how do you get help? Where, where, is the, where does that, my help come from? How do I get help if I recognize a friend or a family member who's experiencing, or I'm a person experiencing domestic violence myself, where do I get the help from? Where's that, who, who, who do I seek out for help? You can, there's a national hotline and the national hotline for domestic violence is 1-800-799-SAFE, which is 1-800-799-7233. That's a national hotline, the national domestic violence hotline. No matter where you at in the country, you can no call matter, that number. Yeah, no matter where you at. In New York City, we have our own um 1-800 number, which is 1-800-621-HOPE, H-O-P-E, which is 4673. Usually when you call the National uh, Violence Hotline, they'll dispatch you to where you're residing and tell you call this number. Because mm-hmm. each each county or each city or each state should have their own 1-800 number. Um, I can only speak for New York City, but I'll 
1-800-621-HOPE. That is connected to uh, Safe Horizon, which Safe Horizon is the leader in New York City in regards to um, domestic violence services, both residential and non-residential services. So and you can call that number anywhere. Yes. So I can be at a pay phone and, dial yes. and, I, and it's a free call. Yes. Okay. So and once you call, so, sorry. Go ahead. Then, once you call that number, they'll do an assessment over the phone. And then they either ask you, um, are you safe? That's the number one question. Are you safe? Right now, some, are you safe? Right. right now, are you safe? And some will say, yes, he's in, you know, he was in my apartment. And they'll ask them, do you want to leave? Um, if they say yes, they'll dispatch them to an emergency shelter where that shelter will also do um, an assessment. But they will say, okay, if you choose to stay in your home, here are some resources that you can call to talk about domestic violence. And that's through Safe Horizon. If they choose to stay in the apartment and they feel safe in the apartment. So with the, with the you said it's a, it's a power dynamic. That's yes, a, that's the power core. control. Yes. Power control. Um, being that men are physically stronger than women, how, how are men victims men of are, domestic violence? Men are victims the same way, physical. You know, women, they'll, especially if, you know, like I said before, women, men, depending on your, your background, you don't put your hands on a woman. Mm-hmm. And that woman is sitting there with a knife or yelling or throwing something. Mm-hmm. I'm not putting my hands on her because the cops is going to be called. And as black men, we automatically think, the cops going to be called. We're going to jail. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yep. so sometimes our black men do not call because a, they don't want to be embarrassed because it's like, wait, I'm a man. I should be doing mm-hmm. a, B, C, and D. However, no one deserves for anyone to put their hands on them. So, and, and the secondary is that if I call the cops, you don't know how it's going to go. And, and usually sometimes, you know, and, and the systems are getting better to recognizing where women are being arrested, especially if it's a, if it's a male and female relationship, they are, they are going to look for physical uh, abuse, uh, physical, you know, marks or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, black mm-hmm. eyes, cuts, anything. They are going to look, they're going to look for that. And, and sometimes there's been where two of them have been involved. Like you can't tell who's a perpetrator or not, because both of them have physical um, marks on them, you know, and there have been where both partners have gotten arrested and been charged with intimate partner violence, you know, especially if there's a history of it. Um, so men, um, and, and the shelters that we have at New York City, men, some shelters do allow men in the shelter. And it's, and I, the shelter that I run, we do have, we do have men. Um, but we treat them just like anyone else. It it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, if you're a victim, you're a victim, you're a survivor, you're a survivor. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes women who are abused, that's also a learned behavior. That's also what they learn, or they've been in domestic violence relationships themselves. And now, oh, I'm in a relationship. Oh, he's not going to have one up on me. So I'm going to show him, you know, so it can go both ways as well. So what, what role do you think that our um, film industry play on this and our, our, our media and, and this access to the social media? Because, media. because um, for example, 
the the uh, Tina Turner story. So yeah, yes, one of the one of the lines, and even even it, it, it was kind of glorified in, in one of one of the entertainer's songs. We said, "Eat the cake, anime, eat yeah. the cake." Yes, that yeah. was that was an abusive part yes. of evolution. But now that particular statement really has meaning in the black community now. Mm-hmm. It really does. So what role, what role or how can we, how, what, what, what is the impact? What's the impact of film and media in, in terms of promoting domestic violence? And, and how, are there any things that are being done to, to recognize that, especially in this whole cancel culture society that we're in now because when these things are identified folks are, can identify it now and say yes. that, that's a form of uh, domestic violence well, in, in your experience what what what's your thoughts on that um my personal thoughts mm-hmm. um there's a, a show called girl on the train mm-hmm. with um ben affleck and i forgot that i think emma is her first name but it talks about, it's, it's circled around domestic violence. And you really don't know it's domestic violence until, until the ending of the show. Because at the end of the day, he really made her think that she was crazy by doing certain things. Um, but as far as the film industry, I have seen shows that really talk about um, domestic violence, Sleeping with the Enemy, which is, mm-hmm. um, yeah. uh, what's her name? Uh, I forgot her name. Uh, sleeping with it when that first came out some of it is just sometimes the ending is like hmm, it doesn't always happen that way right. uh, but the, the other film, one is enough with Jennifer Lopez mm-hmm. enough yeah. um, and there's another one actually with um, what's her name Beyonce remember Beyonce and the other gentleman the one with the English accent uh, oh, Eldris yes Eldris all you women, all you black women love him. The <laughs> black James Bond. Yes, we do. Eldritch, yes. Fake accent. Go ahead, I'm listening. Go ahead. <laughs> Too much, Sip A sip, a sip of hateration. I know, you see that, right? <laughs> yeah, you know. Much, man. That's not show too much hate. The, 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 the dark skinned brothers. Yes. <laughs> brothers tight, love, tight, all the, love, skin, all the yes. muscles. Okay, let's ask you digress. <laughs> digress. Digress. But, um, so let me, ask, let me ask one last question. And I know, I know it's, it's intimate partner violence. Yes. When it comes to the LGBTQ community. Yes. How how is that? Is there any difference? And I'm and, and to my and to and to our listeners in the community, I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm being genuine with this question. Is there any difference in the dynamics because of the the, the gender or the sexuality preferences? There's no difference because domestic violence is domestic violence. Mm. But it's how it's what resources are available. Right. Um, for the community, for the LBG community um, that's available because sometimes pe- uh, people handle domestic violence differently, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but domestic violence is domestic violence. If, mm-hmm. if I'm in a relationship with a female, if she's physically abusive towards me, it's domestic violence, mm-hmm. you know, um, shelters are available within New York City. It doesn't matter what partner you are. Domestic violence is domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with order of protections that's involved. Uh, it, it's, it's just, it's very clear cut. It's just the behaviors that are different mm-hmm. and who does it, that's that's a difference, you know, okay. but domestic violence, no one deserves the right for someone to put their hand on them. 
mm-hmm. you know, regardless. So um, I hope I answered your question. You yes, did. You did. You did. And, and you know, and, and before we close out, Nicola, um, if the, if there's one last thing that you want our listeners to take away um, from this particular podcast regarding domestic violence and how to get help, what do you want them to remember? What is the thing you want them to remember the most? If they don't remember anything else about how to get help, what would you tell them? Don't be afraid of getting help. Ooh. And once you, just because you're a victim, you're not always a victim. You can also be a survivor. The yes. minute you pick up that phone or tell someone, you become a survivor. Mm. Excellent. Jazz, what's your closing remarks? Jazz, what closing remarks do you have, Jazz? Closing remarks is, you know, I think that relationships are very complicated. And this is one of the, this is a part, a negative part of a a toxic relationship, this domestic violence. And I think that within our community, we have to begin to have these conversations and this dialogue in a very honest and open way, because I think that it has become part of our relationships, sometimes physical violence. And then it's not necessarily looked at as domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And I'm speaking from firsthand experience as a person who has witnessed domestic violence and who have been a part of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. It becomes part of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And there's a, it becomes very blurry between, you know, is, is this what this relationship supposed to be like, you know? And is, if this is health, healthy or not healthy, in that, you know, um, there are resources out there, um, seek the resources. But um, I think one of the hardest parts, part of it is, is leaving. I think that, that's a, a, a very difficult part and domestic violence is leaving, especially if you don't, um, or if you're not in a, fan, a financial position to leave, mm-hmm. and that person does have that financial power over you, I think it's very difficult. I think you you accept a lot of um, things from that other partner. So I think it's very complicated. I think this is an ongoing um, conversation. I would love for you to come back and actually maybe if we can get um, some survivors to give their testimony on the steps that they took to break away from, from this um, uh, domestic violence situation. I think that that will be a, a very good aspect in terms of for our listeners can see the other side of this. Absolutely. I, I, my closing is gonna be this. I'm gonna speak as a dad, you know, I have two biological daughters, but I have a ton of um, girls that, you know, that are friends to my daughters that I call my daughters as well. Um, ask for help, you know, you know, I'm here, you know, if you feel that you're in a situation, you know, it may be tough or whatever. I'm your dad, no matter what, I'm talking to my two daughters, Dantes and Corey, you know, um, I know you guys know better, you know, but if you don't, love should not hurt. I'm going to say that when you're in a relationship, it should not hurt. It should not scare you. You should not be afraid of it. You should not feel you have to walk around eggshells to be in a relationship. It should Amen. not hurt mm-hmm. to be in a relationship. You know, love is an action word and it means that you should feel good. If it doesn't make you feel good, 
if it feels you know, like it hurts, then that's something you shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. And my last thing I'm going to say is this. Don't set yourself on fire to keep somebody else warm. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, I'm G. Yo, and I'm Jazz. And this is G talking all that jazz. And we're out. Peace.